Well, we want to welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. Let's all stand this morning together. We sure appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for being here at Murrayville Baptist. Pray that the Lord will meet with every one of us while we're here this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Barry Roach to come and open us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the day. Lord, we just thank you for your love and your goodness towards us, Father. Lord, I just want to thank you for, Lord, for the young people, the young men in our church, Lord, for Brady and, and Brother Clay that Clay brought the Sunday school this morning. And, Lord, I just thank you for the blessing that you give to our young folks, Lord. And I just pray that you'll be with us as we go through the service. I pray for the ones that are being baptized, Lord. I just pray that you'll bless and touch each one of them, Father. And we just thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Main standing, page 76. Jesus spoke to me one day, praise his holy name. Resurrection, holy, 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 hol
cuadro.
Since the master came, oh, praise his name, then what I now can say, somebody touch me, somebody touch me, I was blind, but praise his name, I now can see, I was in
this morning. If you're glad to be here, say amen. 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 Pretty good for a Sunday morning. We appreciate all of you being here. I got a lot to cover, so listen closely. Uh, there will be no service tonight. Um, I hope that you got our call out. Uh, Sister uh, Peggy's son died. And so this is the only afternoon I know that our church will be able to go and maybe visit with her and support her during this time of, of sadness in her heart. And uh, it's down in, in coming at, uh, I forget the, in Ingram, 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 not at Ingalls supermarket now, at Ingram's. And so that'll be this afternoon. And if you want to go down there, please Please go and support Sister Peggy. She's a, he was so close to her. And so anyway, that's no service tonight. Uh, we'll be having a baptism right at the end of this service. I'm going to baptize Brother Aiden. I'm going to put him under and hold him to the last bubble. <laughs> then I'll bring him up. Amen. I can't wait to baptize that one. But anyway, we're looking forward to that. Youth night, I told you that youth night would be the first Sunday night of this coming month, but I understand, I've come to understand that that is the spring break and there'll be a lot of our youth out. So we will be moving that later on into the month and I'll be uh, letting all of you know that later date at some other time. Adult choir practice this after the morning service this morning, so please meet with Brother Terry up here. And the Crusaders for Christ Easter egg hunt is asking that you bring candy for to be able to stuff some eggs for the Easter egg hunt. So if you will, bring the candy. And, and uh, who did they give that to? Kim? Kim or Brother Mike. And, uh, and anyway, that, that'll be a real blessing. And don't forget our, our revival coming up with Brother Bud Stiltner in April to be praying and planning on being at that.
Bibles and turn to the book of John chapter number 4 this morning. John chapter number 4. I want to thank all of you who prayed for us for the marriage conference that we just uh, was in this past week, this weekend. Uh, but Ben Tanner had asked me to do a marriage seminar for his some of his people. We had, uh, I think it was eight... How many? How many couples? Yeah, eight couples that were there, and they uh, they put us up at a, a nice motel down in Buford, and then we went to a bare bone steakhouse. Never had heard of it, but I got to eat at the bare bone steakhouse, and uh, enjoyed the fellowship and getting to know some some people uh, of Ben's church. Was able to, all day long yesterday. We began at 9 o'clock yesterday morning. I did three sessions on through three, around 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And by the time me and Miss Debbie got home, we were exhausted. And all we did was just unload and lay around. And uh, glad to be back here this morning with all of you. Let's all stand to honor the reading of God's Word in John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. We've been preaching on Sunday nights on personal evangelism and trying to encourage all of us to realize the importance of us telling people about Jesus Christ and being a witness for Him. And God has challenged my heart to bring this message into the morning service. And uh, I want us this morning to go soul winning with the Savior. I want us to go on a soul winning trip this morning with Jesus Christ and see how he handled personal evangelism. And that's what we're going to do out of John chapter 4. We've been trying to encourage everybody. We've made up, thankful to Sister Kim, who worked so, so tirelessly to make these up for us. Uh, uh, as I told you, we would make up something so you could put, you can actually put this in your Bible and put it in your shirt pocket and It'll stand out at the top and people will see that and they'll ask you, what is that? And then you can pull it out and start talking to them about Jesus Christ. And at the top it says, uh, how do I get saved? And then it's got some verses up under it on how someone can be saved and why they need to be saved. We're all sinners, every one of us, and we all need a Savior. We need forgiveness from God for our sins. And that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary and uh, got those verses. But then at the very bottom, it says, are you willing to repent? And got a verse there about repentance. And what is repentance is turning to Jesus Christ uh, for everything, for your salvation and turning away from sin and turning to Jesus Christ. And at the end of the service, Sister Kim's going to be out there in the hallway and going to give all of you one of these. And uh, you put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket, and we'll be making up more as, as we need them. So uh, thankful for, for that. Look in John chapter number 4 this morning. We want to begin in verse number 1. I'm going to read through verse number 6. But then keep your Bibles open because we're going to go further into this story of Jesus on a soul winning trip. It said this in John 4, verse number 1, the Word of God reads like this, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus 
made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We'll leave off reading right there for now, but like I say, we're going to go deeper into these verses and look at Jesus Christ and this woman who comes to the well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll bring you our thoughts for the morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we gather around the throne of grace, we thank you and praise you for being so good to us, so wonderful. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for being kind to us. Thankful for all that we've already heard with our ears, the good singing. Lord, the choir did wonderful, the special singing. Lord, thank you. The congregation sang their hearts out. And Lord, I pray, Lord, now that as we gather ourselves around the good word of God, that you would give it free course, that it might accomplish that which you send it to. And God will give you all the praise for everything that you'll do. For it's in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake we pray. And all of God's people said, you can be seated this morning. I've titled this message on soul winning with a savior for a reason because I think that we need to understand some things about soul winning and we want to watch it from the from the aspect of Jesus Christ uh, soul winning himself. There's never been a greater time or a greater need in all this all this uh, age than right now for us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. It is, it is pressing upon us as a church to, to fulfill the Great Commission and tell others about Jesus Christ. You say, Brother John, why is it so pressing? Because this world is lost in sin. They're, they're loving their sin and they're bragging about their sin. They're lost and they need a, a, a Christian to go tell them about Jesus Christ. I've heard it said like this, that a world at its worst needs a church who is at its best. And God needs us to fulfill the great commission and tell others about Jesus Christ. Some may say, well, what is the great commission? It's found at the end of Matthew chapter 28 and it's been referenced by preachers down through the years as being the great commission for the church to go out and tell all nations the good story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, go out and tell them, baptize them, teach them everything that I've taught you and tell them about me. That is the great commission for the church. And all Christians are included in that commission. It's not just for a certain select group, not just for preachers, but it's for every one of us as Christians to tell the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to look at some things this morning and consider some things about this, this soul-winning trip that the Lord took in John chapter 4. You might have noticed as we read through there, it said that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. It was as if it was pressing upon him. And that's a very, very odd thing for Jesus to even go near Samaria or go through Samaria. 
Jesus was a Jewish man. He was born into the Jewish lineage of blood. And, he, and the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. They were an outcast people. And, and in Jesus' day, and I understand even today, that Jews would go all the way around areas that, that uh, have Samaritans living in them. They don't like Samaritans. The Samaritan was a half-breed Jew and Gentile, a mixed breed. And they thought them as unclean and, and dirty and disrespected in, in life. And so Jews would not have anything to do with any Samaritan. But now Jesus has gone into Samaria. And it says that him being wearied with his journey, he set on a well. We see the human side of Jesus Christ in which he is, he is tired, he's wearied. And by the way, this, this world will wear you out. You will get tired along the way. You will get weary in life. And it said that Jesus just came up and sat down on the edge of the well. And he was, I can see him as he's sitting there. He knows that Samaritan girl is about to come over the hill. He knows that that lady's about to come to where he's at. And Jesus is just sitting there waiting on her. I'm glad that one day Jesus sat down and waited on me to come to where he was. Thank God he, you better thank God he waited on you too. Amen. I mean, he waited on me 29 years, but thank God he waited. Amen. I'm glad that he's long suffering with us or not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Jesus is sitting on the well and there he is waiting on this woman to get there. I believe for us to be personal evangelists, I believe for us to enter into this, this thing called personal evangelism, I believe we need to understand the mission. As I said, people are dying. They're dying every day with all the advancements in technology and all the superior education that we have today. Not one thing has been done about death. People are still dying every day. They're dying by, by the droves and they're dying. And most of them are dying without Jesus Christ and going to a place called hell. We must understand the mission it's urgent that we understand it. We must also prepare ourselves. And I'm going to get into that in just a little bit throughout this message on how we need to prepare ourselves to be the evangelist that God has called us to be. That's why we made up these cards. That's why we're trying to encourage every person to go out and tell the gospel story, to learn it, to know it, to be ready to give an answer to anybody that we meet about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to say this, thirdly, not only should we understand the mission and should we prepare ourselves, we need to be intentional. It does, you, know, you don't just happen to be an advance. You don't just happen to tell that we must be intentional with it. We must assert ourselves into this thing. We must purposefully put ourselves into this thing called personal evangelism. We must see the Fields are wide already under harvest and that Jesus desires every one of us to tell the old, old story. I was reminded of a, an old hymn uh, just recently. It was, uh, let me see if I can find it. I made some notes about it. It's an old hymn. I've not heard it in years. It was called, My House is Full, but My Fields are Empty. 
I want to read you some of the words to that to that uh, that song. It says, "There is a peace and contentment in my Father's house today. Lots of food on His table, and no one turned away. There's singing and laughter as the hours pass by, but a hush calms the singing as the Father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who?" will go and work for me today. It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my field. No one wants to work in my field. It says, push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain. The call is clear to us all. We need to understand that the Father desires us to be in the fields with Him and, and talking to people about Jesus Christ. And it seems like God has put this urgency down in my spirit. He's put it down in my soul, not just for me personally, but to preach it to as many as I can tell it to, that we must be about the Father's business of telling others of Jesus Christ. People are dying every day around us and the church needs to care about those who need Jesus Christ. I want us to go on this soul winning trip with Jesus this morning. I want us to look at some things that he did. I want us to look at some of the things that this sinful woman did and how they got together and how he won her to himself. I want you to notice from the text that it was said that when the Pharisees knew that, the, that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John. It said that, that he left Judea and departed him. He said he must needs go through Samaria. He knew that this woman had a need in her life. He knew that she was lost. He knew that she needed him to save her soul. So he went on this soul winning trip and went into Samaria so that he could win her to himself. I want us to first consider her situation. He initiated the conversation by saying, he was sitting on that well now, just sitting there waiting and she arrives. This woman gets there and he talks to her and he says, give me to drink. I want you to look with me in verse number, in verse number seven. It said, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I want you to notice, first of all, her situation. He initiated the conversation. He said, you do something for me. You give me some water to drink. And that was all that he did was just started talking to this woman. Started talking to her about her doing something for him. 
Did you know all around this world there are people who think that they can do something for Jesus to earn salvation? Did you know there's people all around this world that believe they can do something for Jesus? They can give money, they can do works, they can go to church, they can be baptized, that they can do something for Jesus and that would merit them heaven. There's people deceived all around this world. Can I say this, that it is not by works, uh, it is by grace alone, not of works lest we should boast. Uh, I'm telling you that you cannot do anything for Jesus. He wants to do something for you. You see the difference between religion and salvation is religion believes that you can do something for Jesus. Salvation is Jesus doing something for you. She was a despised woman. She was despised because of her race. As I pointed out, she was a Samaritan. She didn't have the right bloodline. Most of us sitting in here may not even go around somebody like this, but Jesus did. She was despised because of her religion. The Jews looked at her and said, well, she's not a Jewish person. She's not of the Jewish religion. And she was despised because of her religion. Some of us might not even go around her church, but Jesus did. She was despised because of her reputation. We find out that she was a prostitute, that she was a vile woman in her sin. She was lost in her sin. And most of us in this room would not dare go around anybody so vile and so ill-reputed of their, of their living style and their living ways. But Jesus did. Jesus went and waited on her. He went to where he knew she would show up. And by the way, she showed up at this well at a certain hour of the day because she knew nobody else would be there. That this was a time of day that nobody went to a well to draw water. And she was so ashamed of her sin. She was so ashamed of her life that she went at this certain hour. And that's the very hour that Jesus was waiting on her. She was a despised woman. Many of us would not think of going to where she was, but Jesus did. There's people all around this world that we're, we look at as as. A people of the despised. Oh, they're so nasty. Look at that lifestyle that they're living. But that's the very ones that we need to be out there telling the good story to of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are looking for something. They are needing something. That they need Jesus. I believe this, that it is to still to whosoever. It's not limited. It's not just to a certain group. It is for every person in this world. They need Jesus. Can I get a witness right there? They need Jesus. He loves the unlovable. He cares about the outcast. He will go to any place to save one and get this. He will send people to any place to save just one. We've been studying through the book of Acts. And we got in Acts chapter number 8. And Philip was an evangelist. It said, and Philip was told by Jesus to go into a desert place. He went into this desert place, a place where it was just a, it was just a place we wouldn't enjoy going on a vacation to. But Philip was sent by Jesus to this desert place. Why? Because there was a black man, an Ethiopian man there that needed Jesus in his life. And he got there and he found that man riding in a chariot. 
And he went up and joined himself, it says, to that man in that chariot and sat there and heard him read Isaiah 53 and began talking to him about Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to say that Jesus wants to send us places to talk to others about Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for Christ also is once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. This also says, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so glad to know the story. I'm so glad to know that Jesus can save. I'm so glad that some preacher preached the message to my heart. Hey, I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't know anything about the Lord. I didn't know anything about the gospel. But I started going to a church. I heard a preacher get up and begin preaching. And he preached his heart out. He preached the best he could. And he told me the story of Jesus. And then he told me how I could be saved. I'm glad I know the story, but you know outside these doors there's thousands of people all around us, hundreds of thousands of people all around us that don't know. They need somebody with a burdened heart to go out and tell them about Jesus Christ. Her shock, look, look at her shock in verse number 11. It said the woman, he said, listen, you do something for me and that was the end of the conversation. But he said, I've got something for you. I'll give you some living water. And look what happened in verse number 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water, pointing to the water in the well, he said, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. <laughs> you know, this world is looking for something to satisfy their thirst. They look for it in all manner of things. They look for it in they look for it in booze. People drinking themselves into oblivion. They can't live without going to the bottle. Why? Because they're they're empty. They need something in their life. They're looking for something. People are tried drugs. I tried drugs in my life. I tried booze in my life. And I'm here's a testimony to tell every person in this room. It don't work. It will not satisfy you. It won't do a thing for you. But mess your life up. Make your life miserable and turn your life inside out. Booze and drugs will not do what you're looking for. People look for to try to fill that emptiness with sex. Yes, they try just to try to fill their lives and they try anything that they can and they find, no, they find no satisfaction. They try to fill their lives with admiration. They want people to like them, want people to hang around them, but they'll find no, no, no satisfaction in those kind of things. They try to find satisfaction in love. This woman herself tried to find satisfaction in love 
We're going to find that in just a little bit. She had five husbands, five husbands, five men that she had been married to. What was she doing? She was looking for love and she found it. She could not find it because she was looking for love in all the wrong places. Five, five husbands. And she was shacked up with a man at the time she met Jesus and she met Jesus and he fulfilled what she was looking for. People are looking for it all the time in love, but they'll never fill it with love. They try to find and fill this void with money, but they'll never be able to fill that void with money. The things of this world, the things that this world has to offer us, it will not satisfy your eternal longing. There's not but one thing, not but one person who will fill that void in your life. And his name is Jesus. And you need Jesus in your life. He's what you've always been looking for. He's the one that can satisfy your life. She finds out. She finds out that, that Jesus can give her something that she's always been looking for. And look what she says in verse number 15. It says, This woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. But look what happens in verse number, beginning verse number 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Boy, he confronted her about her sin. You know why we need a Savior? Because we're sinners. Every one of us sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us that can do anything good to earn heaven. Whenever we think about our lives, sometimes we look across the aisle. And we look at that one over there. Or we look at somebody uh, next to us at the workplace. Or maybe we look at somebody in our family. And we say, well, we're not as bad as them. But that's not the one you need to be looking at. You need to be looking at your life and compare it to Jesus Christ. Look at what he's done. Are you that good? Can you ever obtain to what Jesus Christ has already done? You say, what has he done? He came into this world and he never sinned. He never, never, ever sinned. He did not one thing wrong. He didn't even have an evil thought. There was no thought that ran through his mind. Well, I've had, I've had hundreds of thoughts that were not right run through my mind already. And I'm telling you that we are sinners. We are lost without Jesus Christ. And we all need to be forgiven by God for our sins. Jesus confronts her about the sin in her life. Her sin was she was a, a woman of ill repute. Her sin was that she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And she could find nothing that would satisfy her life. And Jesus confronted her about it in love and compassion. He didn't condemn her. He didn't talk down to her. He didn't say, oh, you old dirty woman, you ought not even be here around me. No, 
He was sitting there waiting on her to get to where he was. He loved this woman. He cared about this woman. He wanted to see this woman's life change. He wanted to fulfill this woman's life. He wanted to do something for her she had never had done in her life. Hey, I'm just telling you, I got saved when I was 29 years old. 29. I'd looked for things all my life. My daddy died when I was 18 years old, and I, I went into a, a spiral in my life. I, my life started going down, and I tried to find something in life that would have meaning to me. As I said, I tried it in the dope. I tried it in the booze. I tried it in the sex. I tried it in everything that this world had to offer, but there was nothing out there. There was nothing for me. I kept, I kept looking and looking, but thank God one day at the age of 29 years old, I came to Jesus with all my sins in my life and he took me in he saved me. He forgave me for everything I'd done. I'm just here to tell you that He's the one you need in your life. Nothing else will satisfy your life till you come to Jesus Christ. And He's willing for whosoever to come to Him. He's willing for any person to come to Him. It does not matter how deep in sin you've been. It does not matter how lost you may be. He'll take you in with loving arms and He'll save your soul. He dealt with her sin. He said, go call your husband. But I want you to notice her salvation in verse number 25 of our text. He said, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. She found out who Jesus was. She was revealed. It was revealed to her that Jesus Christ was who she was looking for all her life. Boy, she believed. She received Jesus Christ into her life. And she believed who he was. You know, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus. They know, a, there's some people that even know a lot about Jesus, but they've never received him into their lives. Jesus told a, gr a group of people one day, he said, you'll die in your sins if you don't believe that I am he. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We're about to baptize Aiden. Some of us didn't even realize it, but he came down to this altar one Sunday morning. What was it? Somewhere in here, Aiden? Right over there. He knows the spot. And he bowed his knees to Jesus Christ. He found out through all of our wanna doings, through all of our busing efforts, he, th he found out through every, all the message that had been, he found out who Jesus was. And he came down and just bowed his knees to Jesus Christ. And Jesus saved his soul. I'm so glad a young person can find Jesus Christ. I'm so glad a young person can be saved. Every young person in this room, they need Jesus in their lives. This world is big out there. This world is wicked out there. You need Jesus in your life to save your soul. 
You need him. You need him. You need him. But I want you to notice something with me. I want to make a statement now this morning. I want you to stay with me. We carry around with those of us who are saved. We carry around with us the second greatest tool in evangelism that there's ever been given to man. I'm talking about everywhere we go, every moment of our lives, we carry the greatest evangelism tool with us. It's with us all the time. We don't need, we don't need a little card with, with verses printed out on it. We've got the second greatest tool to convince this world that they need Jesus Christ. And you know what it is? It's your testimony. You carry, if you're saved, you have a testimony that this world needs to hear. I want to ask you something. If heaven is so great, and it is, if salvation is so wonderful, and it is, why don't he just save us, carry us to heaven right then? Why does he leave us here? Why has he left you here? Why has he left this church here on this, on this little corner of a, of a road? Why has he left you in this world? He's left you here so you can tell your story. Give your testimony to somebody else of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing. I was, I was hearing boys at the railroad talk about being saved. I was hearing them, hearing them talk about their life with Jesus Christ. And it was affecting my life. I'm talking about our testimony are powerful with Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what she did. The Bible says in verse, number, in verse number 27, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Now watch what happens. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Look in verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more, I mean a revival broke out. Why? Because this Samaritan woman started telling others about Jesus Christ. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. <laughs> Her saying. She just went out and started telling the story of how Jesus saved her soul. Sis, would you come to the piano and just start playing for me? I had the opportunity this weekend, yesterday, uh, to do that marriage sem seminar with those people. We took a break at, at around 12 o'clock, and Brother Ben carried me and Miss Debbie out to eat to a Mexican restaurant. And we were sitting there, we were just chit-chatting, and he said, Brother John, he said, he said, if you get liberty of the Lord, would you just tell 
your story about the $5 bill in the book. He had remembered that story about <laughs> a story that I tell sometimes about God putting a $5 bill in the book I had and I didn't even know it was there. And how God used that $5 bill in my life to provide for me and my family. And it was a, just a sweet, just what I call a God story in my life. And so that third and final session of the, of the meeting, God was leading me. And, and I got to stand before those people. And I, I told them stories about mine and Miss Debbie's life together with Jesus that I've never even told before. I, I don't remember telling some of those stories to anybody of people uh, or anyone. I, I just God just started reminding me of things, and I started telling stories of things that Debbie and I had been through together with Jesus Christ since we'd been saved and all that God had done. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought about the, the power that's in a testimony. And... I got to thinking about a testimony and God using it in other people's lives. And I got to thinking, well, Lord, how can somebody prepare to tell their testimony? And I began praying about it. I began thinking about it. And I even began researching and I found a website. It was Adrian Rogers' website. And he was a great preacher of days gone by, already gone on to be with the Lord. And Brother Adrian Rogers on his website has got a, a section there where you can learn things about uh, soul winning and how to tell others about Jesus. But he made a comment on there. I guess, I guess he wrote it. I don't know. Maybe somebody on his staff wrote it. I don't know. He said, one of the greatest ways that you could ever prepare yourself to tell your testimony, he said, write it down. When he said that, when I read those words, I thought, my soul, I've never thought about that. And I thought about if I sat down, what I would begin writing of the day that I met Jesus Christ, and the day he saved my soul. I began thinking about backing up a few months, year in my life and start writing things that led up to me going to church and I wasn't a church going person and how I started up under such conviction I went to church on a given Sunday. I got up early that morning and I told Debbie to get up and get ready. She said, what for? I said, because we're going to church. She said, do what? And we went to church as a husband and wife together that day. And we went to that morning service. We went back for the evening service. And it was that night, November 21st, 1982, that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I was so tired of my wicked ways. I was so tired of my wicked heart. I was so tired of my, my, my evil thoughts and my evil ways. I wanted God to change me. I wanted God, I needed God to change me. I was tired. I was so wore out with everything that had failed me in life. And I said, Lord, please save me. Please forgive me and save me. And he saved my soul and began a work in me. And I'm 
here today because what Jesus has done in my life back in 1982. See, that's a testimony. And I got to think about that. I got to think about the people of Merville. If you were to sit down and just write out your testimony, what would it say? How would it read? What would your story be of the day that you met Jesus Christ? What would, it, what would have been the events that led up to that day? What would be that day? Maybe not date, but that day that you met Jesus Christ. And you knew He had forgiven you and saved your soul. What would you tell about that day? What, what would be some of the things you could tell afterward? What would your story, if you sat down, I want to challenge every one of you right now. Every person in this room, I want to challenge you to take some personal time. I believe it would benefit every Christian in this room if you would just take the personal time to sit down and write out your testimony. And then sit down after you've written it and honestly look at that testimony. What would your testimony say? Would it talk about Jesus Christ saving you? Would it say something like this? I'm a pretty good person. And I think I'll go to heaven because I'm good. Would it say this? And people tell me this all the time. I'm saved because I got baptized. It might say something like this. I, I'm saved because I'm a member of such and such a church. It might say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I do a lot of good things too. You see, the, all of that's okay, but it don't save anybody. It don't save anybody. If you could do enough good works, why did Jesus die on Calvary? If you could be good enough to earn it, why was He beaten beyond recognition why did he shed every drop of blood in his body? Why did he, did you realize when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he became guilty, guilty for sin. He became guilty for your sins. Guilty, 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 they said of Jesus Christ. And he became sin, your sin for us. He had done nothing wrong. He did not deserve to be on that cross, but He died there for you. He died for every person in this room. And it doesn't matter how, how far, how long you've put this matter off, Jesus still is willing to save whosoever. Still in this generation, He's willing to save any person that's willing come to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Save me. Save me. Just as sure as we're sitting in this room, there's a heaven. But I must report to you, just as sure as we're sitting in this room, there's a hell. And determine what we what determines wherever we spend eternity is what we do with Jesus Christ now right now I'm trying to I'm trying to get off of this thing give an invitation 
Brother Brady stood this morning and he gave a powerful devotion to us all who were here. And it was about, he got up and he got talking about don't put it off. And he talked about our days and how short they really are. A young person, a young man standing at this pulpit talking about how short our life is. He read verses from the Word of God that tells us that our life is but a vapor. He read a verse that said, Lord, teach us to number our days. He said, don't put it off. Whatever it is, don't put it off. Life is short. Don't wait till the last minute. Then he told an illustration that he read in a book. And it was the devil having a conversation with one of his his devils that he sends out. They said, what are the three lies that we can tell people to keep them from getting saved? He said, number one, tell them that there's no God. He said, tell them that. And you'll get some with that. He said, secondly, tell them. I can't even, what was the second one, Brady? Where's he at? What was the second thought? Tell them there's no God. Tell them there's no heaven. Tell them there's no heaven. He said, but he told that devil, he said, the third and most powerful lie you can tell people is just put it off. Put it off. Wait. Just wait till another time, another day, another hour, another church service, another invitation. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. There's some of you in here that have put it off so long in your life, your heart's growing colder and colder. And you can sit through a service now and, and it just don't bother you like it did at one time. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. If you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart. I'm going to give you an invitation to come right now and ask Jesus into your life. Don't put it off. You may not see tomorrow. You may not see next week. You may not see the next service. You may not see tomorrow. It's, it's that unstable in our lives. Life is short. Life is uncertain. There's one who knows today. And his name is God. And he knows what's in front of you. And that's why he's dealing with your heart right now. So as we stand around this auditorium. As we stand all over this auditorium, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you, church, would you come and help me pray this morning? Would you come and pray with me that Lord would deal with sinners, that God would deal with people who are lost, and that he would compel them to come? Would you come and help me pray, church? But I'm going to ask you this. Those of you in your pews, who've been waiting, who've been waking, waiting for another time. This is your time. Would you come right now? Would you come and ask Jesus into your heart? Would you come and ask Him to save you? Would you come and receive Jesus into your life? Why do you keep putting it off? The most important thing in any person's life. Why do you keep putting it off?